My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School Online. I'm glad you can be with us this morning. If you've uh, got your Bibles, go ahead and grab your Bible and open up to Mark chapter 8. We'll be there in just a minute. Uh, If you're looking for the handout for today's class, Julie just posted it in the comments. Uh, Well, actually, I posted it in the comments as Julie, but that's the way that works each week. And uh, it's just one page long today because we're going over our uh, prep for Mark chapter 8. So uh, grab your Bible, grab your handout, and uh, we'll get started in just a second. For those of you that are members of our Sunday School, if you don't have a copy of the ESV Scripture Journal, uh, let me know in the comments and I'll mail you one. Uh, I would love for everybody to have one of these. I I have found them to be very, very helpful tools uh, just to be able to uh, write and document uh, what's going on. Uh, These are some of my notes from Mark chapter 8 that we'll get to uh, later on in this particular chapter, Lord willing. Uh, So let's say good morning to some folks. So we've got Barry Cole here this morning. The barbers are here. Uh, Four physically and three mentally. I'm going to leave that one alone. Uh, The Johnsons are here. Uh, The Landers, yay. Welcome back, Josh. I've been praying for you. So uh, glad to have you back. Uh, Pretty pretty sure you had the most beautiful things on Facebook uh, for the last couple of weeks. So thank you for sharing those pictures. Uh, Welcome this morning to the Archers and happy birthday to Tim. I hope you're having a happy birthday so far. Uh, Amy V, Brian Willard. Uh, Matt English, uh, Myla's on as well. Oh, happy birthday, Tim. There we go. Um, and then uh, the Millers and the McGarvey. So good morning, everybody. Glad you guys are with us. Um, so again, if you want to grab uh, the handout for this morning, that'd be great. Uh, but most importantly is a copy of Mark's Gospel. So go ahead and grab that for me. So each week uh, we start with the question, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark that we've studied so far? And as we transition from Mark chapter 7 to Mark chapter 8, you might notice a change in what is going on in the the larger narrative. So I'll walk you through kind of a a big picture of Mark, and then I'll try to answer this question from my perspective. Um, But if you guys have any uh, answers to this, please put them in the comments, uh, and uh, we'd love to, to dialogue around those before we get into the lesson this morning. So uh, in the first uh, several chapters of Mark, uh, Jesus is introduced. Uh, He is uh, calling his disciples and he is healing and teaching. And it is just healing and teaching and healing and teaching and healing and teaching. There's a a tremendous amount of love that he demonstrates for both the disciples, the larger audiences that are following. And then uh, when we get to Mark chapter 8, Jesus' teaching uh, changes just a little bit. So the, the emphasis shifts. If you, if you want to think about it, um, the, he puts a different lens uh, on what he is saying so that the disciples can hear very clearly who he is, what he's here for. And he repeats that message in chapters 9 and 10. And then chapter 11 is the triumphal entry. They're going to Jerusalem. We're starting to wrap up the work that he is sent here to do on earth. Um, and then 11 and beyond are really kind of that last week or so around Jesus's life. So we, we get to the arrest, uh, I think, in 14, uh, crucifixion in 15, and then the resurrection in 16. So, so Mark's gospel is a bit different than the other gospel writers. The other gospel writers, spent, some of them spend a very large amount of time and text on the actual 
uh, crucifixion on the actual arrest and the details. And it, it's just a, it's a really substantive portion of their gospel. Mark spends a large amount of his gospel on the teaching and healing ministry of Jesus. So what I want us to see this morning as we kind of transition from one through seven into this, what I would call the, the inflection point of Mark's gospel, eight through 10, where he really clarifies, this is what I came here to do. And then 11 and beyond, where he actually fulfills uh, that. Um, I want us just to be aware of the, the larger story, the larger perspective of what's going on here. So uh, welcoming a few more, uh, the Greggs uh, and their church, welcome. Uh, and then the clicks are here and, oh, I'm sorry, Mark, you got a migraine. I apologize. I'll try not to shout this morning. Uh, and then Cheryl's here. So welcome. Good morning. So just a couple of, uh, notes before we get going. The, um, the regathering plan is underway and in effect right now at Stewart Heights. So I think the 830 service kicked off a little bit ago and uh, excited to see that moving. Um, we will try to finish here by 945. So anybody that wants to watch and attend Sunday school online still has plenty of time to finish up and leave and get to church on time at the Hickson campus at 10. So just an FYI to those of you that are leaving uh, for church after this is over, if you um, trying to make sure that I get you out on time so that you can do that. And then uh, we'll continue with online Sunday school at least for June and July. And then we'll look at uh, future dates as the, the data comes in and we'll see where we are with that. So just an FYI there. So if you got your Bibles, um, we'll read uh, Mark chapter 8 here in just a second. But if you've got your handout, uh, you'll notice that our first process step, our first process step is uh, to pray. And uh, what we look for with a prayer, and this is really just talking about the Bible. What's the process that we go through before we talk about the Bible? So when somebody either engages us about the scripture or we engage someone else about the scripture, when there's a dialogue about the scripture, when somebody asks a question about the Bible, what are some good, healthy things to do? And these are just some principles from scripture that I've found. I've been following these for quite a while, and I think it's very helpful for us to review them and to walk through them as a preview for each one of the chapters before we move into Mark's gospel. So what we're looking for with prayer is just an attitude of fear and dependency and expectation, understanding that that we are not capable of generating truth on our own, that we depend on the Holy Spirit to illuminate the text, that we depend on the Holy Spirit to, uh, uh, we expect the Holy Spirit to deliver on the promise that the Holy Spirit has promised. Um, it's a beautiful thing that we're also coming with an attitude of fear that uh, that we are coming before a holy God and reading God's word. And we want to make sure that we give that the due respect and reverence that we should. What we ask for is uh, pray for illumination of the text, for wisdom, uh, and for hearing of the hearers. So our practice is that we pray before we talk. Um, so let's take a moment and pray uh, as we get ready to study Mark chapter 8. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of your word, the sufficiency of your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who illuminates your word so that we can understand. We thank you that you did not leave us in darkness. We thank you that you not only love us, but desire to communicate to us and with us. Father, we, we ask for illumination. We ask for your help. We acknowledge that we are totally insufficient to, to read, to understand, to speak of your truth uh, without your help. 
And we ask that what we would see is more of Jesus, that we would better understand you, and that we would rely on the Holy Spirit and not on our own strength uh, to do so. So we thank you, Lord. I thank you for each of the those that are, that are watching and following along. I thank you for their commitment. I thank you for their uh, passion for your word. I pray that this would be a fruitful time and that you would bless uh, the reading and the studying and the teaching of your word so that uh, the fame of Jesus' name would be known throughout all the earth. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so step number two is to hear, and this is a respect and deference uh, attitude. So if you have uh, anything else going on in the room that you're uh, engaging with this teaching in right now, I just ask you to, to pause or to stop that and to stop and to listen to God's word. Uh, our actions are that we want to read the Bible out loud and to hear the Bible being read out loud. So if you want to just stop and listen to me reading the scripture, that's fantastic. If you want to read along, that's fantastic. But Let's make sure that we show the respect that Scripture deserves uh, by giving it our full attention. So Mark chapter 8. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. 
And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. And he sent him home to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea and Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So we hear the scripture, right? We let the scripture speak. And then the next step in our process step is step number three is to think. And one of the things that I love about the scripture, one of the things that I love about our God is that our God models what we are to do. He does this for us. Um, our, our attitude here with thought is humility and wonder and steadfastness. Humility because we do not think as God thinks. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. We need his help to understand him. Uh, wonder because he is a wonderful God. There is much to gaze at. There is much to behold. There is much to long for, to be with, and to be like. And then steadfastness because this is not easy. If you are under the impression that Bible study is an easy thing, I would push back gently and say, I don't know that you've been studying the Bible. You might have been skipping a rock across the top of some theologically sounding phrases, but I, I doubt you're actually studying the Bible. Studying the Bible takes thought. Uh, one of the things that, that we are commanded to do in the scripture is love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And that idea of loving the Lord with our mind is giving him the best of our thoughts because the best of our thoughts are about him. So we study the Bible not when we are exhausted, not at the worst part of our day, but I would encourage you to think through scriptural things at the best time of your day. 
So if that's in the morning or in the middle of the day or in the afternoon or in the evening, you, you figure that out for yourself, whatever your most mentally clear alert time of the day is, but give that to the Lord. Because when we are aware and alert and clear thinking, we can see and think through more steadfastly to stick with the thought process. So our actions are to uh, think about God's words uh, day and night and to think up, think of God, think of the things of the Lord and to slow down and think. So um, what I'm going to do here for just a minute, uh, probably let's do three or four minutes. I'd love for you to just look at Mark chapter eight. So we're just going to look at Mark chapter eight. And if you've got a scripture journal, uh, grab it and just jot some notes down. So this is just thinking time. This is just uh, looking through and, oh, I, I, this is an observation I'm making. Oh, this is this looks like an important word. Oh, this is uh, a, a thought that uh, I feel like the Spirit is uh, leading me into some truth in this space. So I'll just give us a couple of minutes, and uh, I just want to think through Mark chapter 8.
All right. So hopefully that was helpful for you. The, um, one of the things that I, again, I love about this particular method with uh, the scripture journals and, and thinking with a pencil in your hand or a pen in your hand is that it flows nicely into uh, process step number four, uh, which is to talk. Now, you might think that this is a, that this is a, um, um, a, a process step that is us talking to others about what we have learned. Not yet. That's process step number five, share. Um, process step number four is acknowledging our incompleteness, that we don't know everything. Um, so, hi, my name's Jim. I don't know everything. Uh, one of the things that I love about teaching Sunday school is that it uh, gives me an opportunity and a deadline every week uh, to go and to study and to prepare. Um, it is also an attitude of teachableness, that that we have a mindset that, that, that we are going to be willing to learn. Um, one of the things that I love about group Bible study is learning from you as well as uh, sharing with you. So this is uh, talking to those who are willing to teach and using available resources. So one of the things that, um, that you may see on the handout from time to time in the, uh, in the practice uh, in the homework section of our handout is a uh, talking to someone, and they'll be in parentheses, dead or alive. And the, the reason I say dead or alive is that if you, let's see, if you look at, these shelves, if you look at, I'm never going to get the camera back where it's supposed to be, but that's okay. Bruce will forgive me. These shelves, there are things that others have taught us. There are things that others have written down. There are things that others have documented that we can learn from. Now, I, I want to make really clear that the scripture is our single authoritative source for information about God. And God put us in community with others who have giftedness in different places, in different areas, in different skill sets, so that we could learn from each other. So that the Spirit would share and illuminate to each what God would have each to learn and to know. And as the Spirit does that, we then can share with each other about what the Spirit has taught us, about what we have seen in God's Word about Himself, about Christ, about the Spirit. So this is a opportunity. I'm going to tie it back to process step number three now. This is an opportunity for us to look and to think and to go and to study the things that we thought about in step number three. So step number four is beginning to flesh this out and to unpack, if you will, and to, to dig into the details to dig into the words. Um, it, sometimes folks will attend our Sunday school and they'll ask me afterward, why do you put so much emphasis on words? It's just words and words and words. And my response is, well, that's what he gave us, right? If he gave us something else, we'd study that. But this is what he gave us. So this is the approach that we're going to take. 
Um, so our, our thoughtfulness and the slowing down and thinking then gives us material and questions and concepts to go and explore in the talking stage. And then we finish with process step number five, uh, which is uh, sharing. And uh, the idea here is that we, in a lowly, intentional, calm, patient way, share with others what we have learned. Uh, and you can do this very quickly. You can do this very slowly, all five steps. So if you have a, a three-year-old in your house that asks you, who is Jesus? It can look just like this. Father, help me answer this well. Uh, let's read in God's word what Jesus, what the Bible says about Jesus. Uh, let's think through that. Who, it, what did the Bible just say about Jesus? And talking through, allowing the child to ask questions and explore, and then sharing, making sure that there's an answer, Jesus is the Christ. He is Lord. Uh, to make sure that the, the small child understands exactly who Jesus is, that Jesus is God. You can do this over a very long time period. Uh, I want to share something that I'm just spectacularly thrilled with. Uh, I have been witnessing to a lady at work for about five years and uh, praying for her daily, um, uh, sharing scripture, uh, explaining the gospel. Uh, she probably could explain the gospel to you about as clearly as I can at this point. And I uh, got a text from her this past week and she said, hey, I'm at Barnes and Noble's website. I wanna buy a Bible. What Bible should I get? Yay. So that these these things can can happen uh, slowly and quick uh, slowly over a very long period of time. They can happen quickly in an instant. But it is very good for us to be grounded in the fact that we need help. We should ask God for help. We need to hear God's word. We should make sure that the text is being clearly read. We need to make sure that we have given time to think and be uh, to come up with uh, not just uh, the answer but how to answer that we are talking and resourcing good, helpful materials, and then that we share in a way that is clear and God-honoring, that it is not shared in a way that beats people over the head with truth. We've all seen and uh, probably participated in something like this, and it's just not a helpful approach. So this speaking the truth in love with our sharing, this trusting the Lord with the outcome, um, th these are these are tough things sometimes, especially when you want to rush through and get to the answer and we get excited and we want to share something and, and we kind of bungle up the whole process. But we, we have the ability to slow down and be very intentional as we walk uh, through these things. All right. So uh, looking at Mark chapter eight, I'll give you a couple of things that I, I'd love for you to think about and to talk about. Uh, the next few weeks, some observations that I'm going to give you um, so that we can uh, make sure that we hit what Mark is hitting as we go through uh, Mark chapter 8. So notice at the beginning of Mark chapter 8, if it feels like deja vu, it should because we've already done something very, very similar to this. If you flip back over to Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44, you'll see that's the, the passage where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And then we get to Mark chapter 8, and Jesus feeds the 4,000. 
And a mathematician like me is looking forward to Mark chapter 10 to see if Jesus feeds 3,000. But no, he doesn't. He kind of finishes it with this. Sorry, Barry, there's your math joke for the day. So yes, the disciples have already seen this done. And yet they ask a question in verse 4. How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And you just want to walk up to them and smack them in the head and say, do you not remember, right? Um, we fast forward on down. He feeds these people. Um, the, uh, the verse 14, Mark 8, 14, I think is one of the most hilariously incompetent things in the entire Bible. Now, they had forgotten to bring bread. It's like, I, I have a hard time even reading this. And I've practiced reading this text out loud several times. And I have a hard time even reading this with a straight face because they've seen him feed 5,000. They've seen him feed 4,000. And yet they forget to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Hmm. Wonder what that could be, right? So he cautions them. Um, we, we fast forward. Uh, he plays 20 questions with them at the end of this particular passage. Um, do you not see? Do you not understand? Do you not get it? And the resounding answer that comes back at Jesus through their silence is no, we don't. We don't get it. So he, we fast forward to verse 22 through 26. And I want you to begin to think through Jesus healing ministry as not just demonstrating his authority over disease, over the human body, over demon possession. I want you to begin to look and see, and we're going to add a lens here. I want you to begin and look and see as Jesus healing ministry as instructive to the disciples about where they were and where they will be. So you have a deaf man who can't clearly articulate. You have a blind man who can't see at all. And then there's this intermediate stage of I can make out people in trees. And then there's a clarity stage. And if you don't think that there's some comparison, some parallel to the spiritual progression and formation of the disciples as we go through Mark, I would just encourage you to go back and look at those, look at those miracles again. Jesus shows them he is their provider by providing food. He shows them that he is their, uh, their teacher by opening their eyes and opening their ears to the truth that he is presenting. There are apparently different stages of clarity and understanding. And if you look back on your uh, theological walk, you'll very quickly see that there were times where like, this was really, really fuzzy. I didn't understand that. And now you look and you see, you know, the Spirit has illuminated this, and I, I have understood this now. Thank God for that. So then we get to this beautiful text in uh, Mark eight twenty seven through 30, where uh, Peter comes to the conclusion and articulates who Jesus is. So we see another lens. So I, 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 I read Mark's gospel like I go to the eye doctor, right? And they, I've worn glasses since I was 11 years old, I think. And I, I remember the, the first, actually I got contacts first. And I remember the day, I think my mom's on, so she'll get a kick out of me telling this story again. But the, the day I got contacts, I remember leaving the office 
and uh, going outside and it was a bright, shiny day and I got in the car and we're driving back home. I think I got in the Mantella home where we grew up in Shelbyville. It's about a 20 minute drive and we're, we're going back and I'm, I'm looking at the trees and the trees had leaves on them that you could see from the road. And I remember thinking, has the whole world been like this the whole time and I just couldn't see it? Like there was this much beauty and detail all over the place. And the only thing that I had seen was just fuzziness and blur. And when I look at the disciples' theological progression and, and who Jesus is and, and their understanding of it and in their future defense and passion around this concept that Jesus is God, he is the Christ, he is the Messiah, he is the one that laid down his life for the world. I'm reminded of my uh, fuzziness and then clarity and grateful for the Holy Spirit that, that he works this way uh, to help us. So uh, Peter gets it here in 27 through 30 and then uh, has uh, amnesia in uh, 31 through 33, right? Because uh, we immediately move into, you are the Christ, but I'm going to rebuke you. So lest you have ever been discouraged about the roller coaster lumpiness in your spiritual walk, um, you've got a friend in Peter, <laughs> right? I mean, he is your guy. And uh, what we know about the history of Mark's gospel is that this is very likely Peter and Mark together recounting uh, Peter's firsthand experience with Jesus uh, and during the time that Jesus was on the earth. And then uh, in verses 34 through 38, he calls the crowd back together and he gives them this passionate, uh, almost parable-like, uh, there's some cloudiness here, right? So he says, what can a man give in return for his soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. He doesn't tell the crowd that he's the Son of Man. He just tells the crowd that the Son of Man is coming, is going to be ashamed and is going to be coming in glory with his Father and the holy angels. So there's a great deal of foreshadowing that Jesus is doing here, but keep in mind what level of lens, what level of prescription he's, he's given to the crowd. Because remember, he spoke in parables so that not everyone would understand. He is, and this is one of the things that makes Jesus just this incredibly amazing teacher. He would speak in parables and some would get it and see with clarity. Some would not get it and would follow up with questions. Some would not get it and would leave, and some would not get it and would leave and be angry. So he's, he's communicating on so many different levels to so many different audiences flawlessly. And this is complex teaching. If you have ever stood in front of a group and have tried to communicate something to a large number of the group and to keep something away from a few members of the group, but have to do it all publicly, it is very challenging to do. And Jesus is a, an absolute master at this. So um, we'll, we'll stop there uh, with our, our lesson for the day, but I just wanted to give you an overview of Mark chapter eight. I wanna just tease you with a few things. I want you to go look some things up and study and talk, find uh, somebody who's willing to teach, find somebody who may have uh, already uh, been uh, gone home to be with the Lord, 
and learn from them. Um, and then our, uh, our last step in the process is to invite. So uh, invite a member uh, to participate in our Sunday school. Invite a non-member to participate in our Sunday school. Uh, share the gospel with others. This is what we are here to do. Um, if you are interested in uh, following up with any of the prior lessons that we've had in the Gospel of Mark, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com, click on the Subscribe tab, and you can subscribe to either our uh, Facebook, uh, our YouTube, or our uh, podcast. I would love to have you uh, engage that way. If you're interested in being a member of Our Sunday School, you can click on the About Us tab and listen to the lesson that is listed there. If you want to commit to those membership expectations, I would love to have you uh, do that and uh, be a member of our Sunday school. And just a reminder, if you don't have a copy, if you're a member of our Sunday school and you don't have a copy of the ESV Scripture Journal, let me know. I'd love to mail you one. And then uh, I'll make a, a slight modification to this week's closing slide. So if you have any prayer requests, we'd love to hear those so that we can pray for you, uh, lean in and engage and pray for somebody that's not with you. And then you can either go to the Stewart Heights page at 10 o'clock or to go to the Stewart Heights campus at Saudi Daisy or Hickson and participate in in-person worship. Uh, please be safe. Uh, please follow the guidelines that our church uh, staff has laid out. And I uh, can't wait to see you guys again in person. I'm looking forward to that. And until then, I'm praying for you and I love you guys. So I'll see you next week here. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.